to be honest. Actually, in place of a to be honest, this week I'd like for all of us to come together and pray for a passing score on my upcoming piano exam. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds great. Okay, alright, you guys heard it, folks. <laughs> I have my RACT exam coming up and I am royally screwed. I still can't memorize, I don't know, at least like a page and a half's worth of music. And then it's in like less than 20 days, so that's great. I have complete faith, Amy. I think that might be a little bit misplaced, but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> But also, welcome back to To Be Honest! Yeah! <laughs> With that amazing intro, I'm your host, Grace. And I'm your host, Amy. You sound very nervous. <laughs> okay, I think that'll reflect the sentiment of this episode a little bit. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> and on another note... Um, wait, did we tell them we got jobs? Anyways, we got jobs. We're part of the hardworking work- workforce now. And... <laughs> I think we mentioned this in last week's episode, but we got jobs! Yeah! And with our jobs, we made money, and now we bought mics! Yay! And we're recording with them right now, so let us know if our audio sounds crisper yes. or not, because we were recording with our voice memos app on our iPhones before. <laughs> Wonderful. Now we're pros. Hell yeah. <laughs> but in honor of Amy's exam coming up, we thought that this week we would talk about piano (laughs) yeah so i think we've mentioned this before but piano has been a pretty big part of both of our lives and also the reason why we're Mm -hmm. close friends to this day i don't i think without piano then we probably wouldn't even be friends i think we'd be friends but i don't think we'd see each other that often like i think when we did see each other we would still be kind of friends but i don't think Mm because we had a lot of our deep talks on the car and also at night. Yeah, because like, <laughs> if it were not for piano, the peak of our friendship would have been sometime in elementary school. And we've talked about elementary school friendships. They're, they're, they're a bit different. <laughs> yeah, and especially because our piano studio is so far, we have that set at least two hours on the car where we just have nothing to do except like talk to each other. In all honesty, it's just like, it sounds like a really big commitment and it has been a huge commitment. And then it's kind of crazy when we think about how many years we've been doing piano. Cause like, I feel like it's our journey through piano has kind of just been like a train of, well, I'm doing this now. <laughs> it's like, I remember when I started out, my goal was to get to level five, get a dog and dip. And then, and then suddenly I, I just started doing something else. Got signed up for theory classes. I, I, I had, I met some other people. And then, and then I was like, okay, you know, level 10, I can get to level 10. And then that's good. I'm happy with that. And then I, I, I'm in a community music ensemble. And then for some reason, I end up doing ARCT, even though I swore to myself I wasn't going to do ARCT. And then now I'm suffering this summer. So, what brought me here? <laughs> it was so funny because after grade 10, I remember Amy telling me, like, the plan was that she wasn't even going to have regular piano lessons after grade 10 anymore. But then she was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to come every week. And I was like, oh, yay. Like, I'm so glad you're here. But that's a bit of a surprise. And then she was like, oh, I'll just be learning songs for fun. So she was learning songs for fun. And then one day, our piano teacher was just like, she's doing ARCT now. And I was like, what? And we were just like, wait a, wait a minute. <laughs> what happened? And I remember asking you this, I think just a couple of weeks ago, like, 
Amy, how did you start doing ARCT again? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Grace, I don't know, because, like, I was learning some random songs for fun. Like, I learned Schindler's List. I learned, like, the Godfather theme, and that was real cool. And then my teacher asked me to write down a list of piano pieces I wanted to learn, except I procrastinated, and I forgot to write that. So then I made one right before class, and then Moonlight Sonata was on there. And then Moonlight Sonata happens to be an air CT piece, and it happens to be a sonata as well, which is, like, a really large part of that. So it was just like, okay, you know what? If you're going to learn the sonata, I might as well just do the whole thing. And I'm just like, wait. And she's like, yeah. And I'm just like, uh. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like the whole getting dragged into something thing where it's like, oh, I've already come so far, I can't quit now. And then it's like, oh, to get my ARCT diploma, I just have to do uh, ARCT history and ARCT harmony and counterpoint, and then I've got it. And then you just like get dragged into a lot of theory stuff that you didn't sign up for. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you know, I'm not even doing the theory, though. It's like, I'm not getting my full ARC diploma, and I am fine with that. I'm perfectly Which okay with that. Which I think you are adamant on, but <laughs> imagine. I swear to God, if I end up doing theory, I will just, like, I don't know, facepalm myself to the moon. Okay, it's funny how you said you weren't going to do ARCT, and you ended up doing the piano part of ARCT. And after grade 10, I said that I was going to do the piano part of ARCT, but I didn't really want to do the history and harmony part of ARCT. So I was like, well, what's the point of getting the diploma? I just want to do piano. And then I ended up doing the history and harmony and counterpoint part. Mm -hmm. It's been kind of a crazy roller coaster ride, though. (laughs) Because I remember when I was around four, when my family came back to Canada, my parents were like, oh, do you want to do music? And I was like, yeah. And then they asked me, oh, what instrument do you want to play? And I was like, the piano. So I chose the piano. So then I feel like that's a little bit different than being fully dragged into it because I know that a lot of people are like completely dragged into the piano you know Mm. and they don't have any say in it yeah I mean piano is that stereotypical Asian extracurricular that everyone does and then like I think probably all of my friends or the majority of my friends for sure did piano at a young age Some of them kept going until ARC tour or whatever, and then some of them quit. And then the thing is, like, because so many people do it, sometimes it's, like, a little weird, and I feel like it kind of devalues all of the work I've put into it and then all of the, like, accomplishments and everything because it's kind of just like, oh, everyone does piano. But then at the same time, like, I think I've come to accept that piano is a pretty large part of my identity right now. Like, it is my main extracurricular. Mm -hmm. And I really agree with what you said about thinking, oh, everyone just does piano. Like, so many people do piano, it's not really special. Because some people have really cool talents or, like, extracurriculars or passions and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I remember when we went to China, they had this talent show thing there. And... We Mm -hmm. played a piano duet, and, like, I remember us saying, oh, the only reason that we got it is because we're doing a duet and everyone else is just doing solo piano. But, like, yeah, yeah, it really isn't special, and we didn't think that it was something that we really felt proud of. Like, I think that I'm still proud of my piano, but like Amy said, everyone does piano, so it's not really special. I mean, like, if I told someone that, say, I was really into fencing or, like, really into 
the trumpet. I feel like that would garner a lot cooler of a response than just saying, oh, I do piano. And then they're just like, of course. Yeah. And if you do a strange or kind of out there thing that not a lot of other people do, it's much easier to introduce yourself with that one hobby or that one thing and like talk about it a lot because, you know, other people haven't heard about it before that much and it just feels really special. So I feel like in Mm -hmm. that sense, it's easier to build your identity around it and have it be something that everyone knows. Like if someone asks for a fun fact about me, I would not say that I play the piano because it just doesn't feel like a very fun fact. I Okay, yeah, I completely agree on that point. And then the kind of point of the identity is to kind of differentiate yourself from everyone else anyways, right? Mm And then I feel like that kind of loses value with piano because everyone does it. So yeah. I don't know. It doesn't feel as identification-y. Mm-hmm. It's like saying I have black hair. Well, sweetie, <laughs> most of us do. Yeah. But I think like despite <sighs> that, I've also come to terms with piano being a big part of my identity. Even if it's not something that I'm talking about all the time. I think that I do put a lot of time and like work into piano and it's one of my main extracurricular activities and like I do see myself as a pianist and like I love that about my identity. So that's nice. Yeah, honestly, at this point, I have been working on it, but I still don't think I think of piano as a super big part of my identity. Mm-hmm. And then I think part of that reason was because for the majority of my musical career, I thought I was bad at the piano. And like, I kind of thought of myself as like the not musically talented kid, which I kind of stand by because I don't have perfect picture or anything. And then I don't have super good musical sense. And then I don't pick up songs super quickly or anything. And like, I'm terrible at sight reading. So like, when you think of a really cool musician or like a talented musician, I feel like I don't fit those qualities. But I have come to terms with that. And I think it's fine. (laughs) I don't think that you should think of yourself as not musically talented just because like you can't do all that because everyone's kind of on their own path you know and like I know that you've put so much time and work into piano so I don't think it's fair to yourself to like say oh I'm not musically talented and like use that as an excuse honestly I think I held musically talented people to like too high of a regard because even if they are musically talented they still needed to put in so much work to get there and then like honestly if I put in that same amount of work I probably could have reached similar heights as well so then yeah honestly like I think Amy kind of used that as an excuse to I don't know not give piano her all and then also like part of that was because of confidence or like pride or whatever and then also just like not really thinking that piano was a super big part of my identity yeah but then honestly I think that mentality will get you nowhere because I've uh, clearly ended up sticking with piano (laughs) anyways and then like I've had to invest a lot of time and energy into it and honestly like it could have gone so much faster I could have enjoyed it so much more if I just accepted that I do like the piano and piano is a really big part of my life and then just because everyone else does it doesn't mean that it it takes away from me either Mm -hmm. yeah but I think maybe starting from like grade 10 maybe starting from ARCT maybe it's just starting but I think I've started to put in a little bit more effort into piano and like be a little bit more confident when I play on my pieces and everything and then thinking that I am good at piano I just need to do my best in it and try hard and then I can do the same things everyone else can I kind of got that too because like ever since I started playing the piano obviously I liked it and I enjoyed it and I never really had a point where I disliked it but there was definitely a time where it kind of faded into the background because I was kind of focused on other stuff and because I was focusing on school at that time but same with you as I progressed through piano I kind of refound my love for it more and then I started really prioritizing it also 
around mm-hmm. Air CT. But I feel like that's almost kind of the studio strategy, the studio that we go to, because mm-hmm. they kind of get you through it a lot faster than a lot of other piano places or other music schools that I've heard of. I know that when I first started playing the piano, my teacher was a lot more, you have to do one level every year. And then I remember being a little mm-hmm. bit bored by that. But I think yeah. that our studio kind of does the thing where they get you through the boring part really quickly so then you can start playing fun songs and then you enjoy it more Mm -hmm. as you go as opposed to like loving it right from the beginning and loving it the whole way through I think a lot of people in our studio probably experience a similar thing where as the songs get more interesting they start liking it more and then honestly I think part of that is kind of just like not marketing strategy but kind of like an incentive for people to go to the studio because I know the reason I ended up going to the studio um in place of other ones and then plus this one's all the way so this is like an hour drive and then that was because we looked at Grace and then we're like damn she finished level five in a year and then like all the Asian parents were just like oh my god that that's such a good investment (laughs) or whatever so (laughs) that that's how they got us here okay yeah like Fun fact, I actually got in the piano pretty late in life, like a lot later than most people do. I think they usually start like, I don't know, four or five, six, seven, like really young. And that's because I was a stubborn child (laughs) and I was like kind of against doing the stereotypical Asian stuff. Not because I had internalized uh, prejudice or whatever, I forgot the term, but it was because like I was lazy. I was a lazy child. (laughs) And then I didn't really want to do piano just because I was like, eh, what's the point? But then my parents owned a cafe when I was pretty young. And then there was this man who would come in every day. And I remember one day he brought in this like keyboard that he bought. And I don't know why he just hauled in this huge electronic keyboard into the cafe. That's kind of weird when I think about it now. But then anyways, my parents saw it and then we're like, hey, we'll give you free coffee if you give her daughter free piano lessons. And he was like, I cool. So then, so then I started taking piano lessons from him and then they were very simple. But yeah, that that's how my musical journey started. And then a dude packed up to Alberta, left, never saw him again. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, I, I had no idea what happened to him, but thank you for getting me into piano. <laughs> Uh, we send you our regards. <laughs> and then we were getting closer to Grace during this time and we knew she was at a studio. And as mentioned before, we were just like, damn, she got through level five in a year. So then we're like, okay, well, let's do that too. So then I went to her studio and then I started going to her studio and now I'm here. <laughs> Yay! I'm so glad that you ended up coming to the studio because I feel like the pianists there are kind of outcasts. Now, this might also mm. have to do with the fact that we live an hour away from the studio, so we don't join mm-hmm. a lot of other studio activities. <laughs> so I, I feel like a lot of the time we're kind of outcasts. Like, I didn't know a lot of other people who went to the studio. And yeah. it was strange because the reason why I started going to the studio was because my brother learned violin there. And that was back when we lived really close to the studio. And so it was really strange because I remember my brother was really in the studio environment and he knew a lot of people who went there. He went on this trip that the studio did to China where they were volunteering and like teaching the kids their music and stuff like that. So I remember being kind of sad that we were kind of outcasts in the studio. I, I definitely agree with the outcast part because then I feel like we visited a couple times and then like we saw the kids there and then they always kind of seemed like they knew each other and everything and then we were kind of just sitting there like 
nice yeah (laughs) and then honestly like i don't think i would have kept on doing piano if i didn't start carpooling with you Mm, and then like met all the other people and then started our own little thing okay because the string people so the violins and the cellos they had this string orchestra called van string Van string. And it sounded so cool, but we couldn't be a part of it because we were pianists. So I remember once yeah. in our theory class, Amy jokingly said, why isn't there a van key? Like, there should be a van string, but for pianists. And little did we know that around, what, three years later, we would start our own van key. Yay. <laughs> and it, it's kind of funny because the whole basis of that was kind of just like, we can't be in a string orchestra. <laughs> oh, wait, we can do duets. And, Trios. And, and three people piano. Yeah, let's start a piano ensemble. <laughs> hey, first ever in Vancouver piano ensemble. Yeah, and I actually really, really enjoyed yeah. that. At the beginning, before COVID, Um, We went to a few senior homes, and we were performing for them, and it was super amazing. It was just, like, a whole other side of piano that we never really experienced before. Like, Amy and I had learned a few piano duets for fun, but Mm -hmm. it just was very different actually creating a piano ensemble and actually, like, committing time into it and learning what it's like to really work with other musicians because I feel like we never really got to do that before. As the aforementioned pianos are usually solo instruments type of thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, I think it just like, I mean, I think with every, I don't know, organization or whatever, there's a lot of back work we need to do. So like Hmm. um, having rehearsals and everything and then scheduling performances or like thinking of ideas of what we wanted to do and putting together projects and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, like, having deadlines and then having goals to achieve. Yeah. It is quite different and then quite nice. Yeah. And also, I get volunteer hours, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie, that was a part of incentive. And also, it's just kind of being mm-hmm. able to put piano to use, you know? Yeah. Because, like, we invest all this time, effort, and, like, money into piano. And at the end of the day, it's kind of just for us, unless you, I don't know, perform for others randomly or whatever. But yeah, Yeah. it's like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to find ways to apply piano, especially when Mm -hmm. you're kind of learning it in the way that we are doing it. So like classically trained in a private studio piano, going through Mm -hmm. uh, the RCM examination piano kid. Because I feel like we're kind of the stereotypical like Asian route where we just go like, okay, get to this level, quit piano, we're done with that, you know? (laughs) And I mean, now we can use Venki as our fun fact. Hey, yeah, true. <laughs> now it's a special part of outdoor piano. But yeah, I totally agree. Even though, like, I did enjoy some of the competitions and performances we did, it just felt very straightforward and very much like exams moving on to the next yeah. level. And like, I obviously enjoyed the songs that I was playing and everything. But I feel like something else that the studio does a lot is kind of motivating the students through performances and competitions and exams. Yeah. And I mean, it works well. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it definitely gives you incentive. To try hard and then, like, grind out pieces rather than just, like, listlessly practicing until the teacher is like, all right, let's start start preparing for your exam. Yeah, which was something that I really missed in my ARCT 
because after I started focusing on piano more, I learned like a lot of new songs and then quarantine hit and I had so much time. So I got through ARCT like pretty quickly or at least compared to grade 10. And so I did it all in quarantine. So like I only did a few virtual performances and like virtual mm-hmm. competition. But it just felt really incomplete after I finished my exam. So it was like I never really got the chance to perform all these pieces, you know? Like, in a live setting, I never got the chance to really express what the pieces were and to, like, show that to other people. And, yeah, and it was, like, a huge project, too. It's, like, how long is it? 40 minutes? Longer, I think, like, 50 minutes. Really? Okay, mine's only 40 minutes. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like, I don't know, almost an hour-long performance of entirely memorized pieces that's in practice to a T and then have, like, expression and everything. It's like, mm-hmm. damn, yeah, that took a lot of time. And what do you do with it? You have an exam with it and that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So then that's why, like, our studio, like, I guess it's good, but also it gives me great anxiety <laughs> is um, you have solo recitals, right? And before your exam, you usually we'll have a recital for each pianist or violinist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, with the performances, I think we mentioned this before, but Amy's not the most confident person, and she gets nervous really easily, and honestly, piano is such a mental practice. It's kind of like with athletics as well, where they say, like, Mm -hmm. half of it is mental strength, half of it is physical, and I, like, entirely agree with that. Mm -hmm, Me too. And I remember when I was younger, Amy messed up a lot (laughs) in performances and then she'd have like massive memory slips and she'd just go like (sighs) okay but we're like um we're working through that we're doing a tiny bit better actually i'm not too sure about that but i think we're doing a tiny bit better (laughs) yeah i remember there was this one really good competition i did Mm -hmm. during grade 10 when i was preparing for my grade 10 exam and then it was this modern piece called cassandra's dream and then i remember that was the first performance i did that i was like really happy with and then i got like compliments on it and everything and then like Mm. i guess it was kind of like a breakthrough piece or whatever or like i don't know felt like a big Mm. thing (laughs) because then um as my teacher said she was like oh that's the first time you really made that piece your own you know and like yeah yeah okay okay stop 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 you're making me blush (laughs) oh yeah and then she still references it from time to time and then i do agree i think that was the first time that i really like tried hard to make it expressive and then um, like, I'd repeat the parts and then, like, rephrase it and go, like, oh, it sounds better if I, like, emphasize to this note a little bit more and that type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, I can clearly tell a difference. Like, with some pieces, I'm able to do the same thing. And for some pieces, I kind of just let it be and then just, like, practice it until, like, I can do it memorized and all right and then I leave it there. But then it is nice to know that I'm able to push a piece and then put all this work into it and then make it so much better. And that's like a lot of what piano is about because I remember right before my ARCT exam I think I added some lessons in with my teacher like I could memorize all my pieces I could play it but you really have to take it to the next level you know and we were being really nitpicky and working on everything and I think that's when you learn so much about how to express certain things and how to really bring out the style of the composer or the era in a time because Mm -hmm. it's like those little things it's just like where I've heard a lot of people say it's pretty easy to get maybe an 80 percent 
But then the last 20% is, like, half of the battle or something. Yeah. It's, like, those details that really make a piece. And just, like Amy said, the mental battle of being able to be confident and doing your first piece well, because especially when you have to have an hour-long or a 40-minute-long recital, if you mess up near the beginning, sometimes that can ruin the rest of your performance because yeah. it destroys your confidence. And my teacher says I have that issue because we've done a couple of run-throughs and then sometimes I've messed up horribly. And then, and then like, I'm ready to hop onto the next piece and she's like, no, Amy, stop! <laughs> and she, like, forces <laughs> me to wait 40 seconds. She's like, okay, just envision your next piece and, like, do your best or whatever. Yeah, it's like you need to have that control over your own emotions to make sure that if you mess up on this one piece that you're not going to ruin the rest of your entire performance. Mm-hmm. And then it is really weird. Like, there are some days I can play a piece perfectly and then, like, the next day it's complete crap. Sorry. <laughs> but then it, like, it makes kind of absolutely no sense either. Because then... I don't know, it's just a day difference, and then it sounds completely different, and then it's something mental, man. Yeah, and also sometimes you record yourself playing the piano, and you finish playing something, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so good! Like, it felt amazing when I was playing it, but when you listen to it back, it didn't sound as good as it felt when you yeah, were playing no, it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's totally a mental thing, and sometimes it's the opposite. Well, actually, like, I, I've experienced the other thing, too, sometimes. Like, I feel like sometimes when you're playing and you're practicing your pieces over and over and over, you kind of forget what it sounds like from someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because, like, sometimes I play my piece and then I haven't heard it on its own for a long time, like, when it's not me playing it. And then I play it back and I'm just like, huh, this this is quite a nice, nice piece, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, with the expression thing... It's kind of like, you know, like dancing, mm-hmm. it it gives me a similar vibe where it sounds the worst when you only do it halfway. It's mm. it's kind of like an all or nothing thing. Yeah. And then like, even though it feels kind of cringy or whatever, and like kind of like scary to put yourself out there when you're giving it your all, it will sound so much better. And then I am a complete hypocrite for saying this because I never do this and my teacher gets mad at me for a dot. But I'm just saying, Amy, you should you should give it your all <laughs> and just decide to be that crazy type of pianist, you know? Also, with expressing certain songs, I have this problem where sometimes I feel like I just haven't experienced enough in life to tell a certain story in a song or to express something, because I have this one piece which is very, very dark, and it's very Mm -hmm. depressing, and the way that my teacher describes it to me is, you're in a dark room, and it's like, all dark, you can't see anything, and suddenly there's, like, a tiny sliver of light, just, like, a ray of light that falls onto the floor, but everything else is pitch dark, and you're so tired of life, and you're, like, 80 years old, and you've seen so much pain in the world, and I'm like, how do I express that? I haven't experienced it. Especially with Grace, like, that's the complete opposite of you, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the ray of sunshine... And then, yeah, I had a similar thing where my teacher was just like, okay, you need to be, like, in love and then heartbroken and you're, like, chasing after this woman. And, okay, this is Brahm's story, by the way, which I'm not sure is entirely correct, but, like, he's, like, hopelessly in love with this woman, but she's married. And then he's, like, such a good man either, so he won't do anything about it, but her husband is in an asylum and in the 
um, lady is working so hard by herself and then she's taking care of the kids and everything and he's staying by her side and being devoted and in love with her the whole time but he can't let her know because that wouldn't work out well and then he he like appreciates the husband and the wife so much but he's just oh and then, and then I'm just like damn someone want to break my heart before my exam yeah. <laughs> we were literally like Amy we have to get our hearts broken so that we can play our piano properly <laughs> yeah like otherwise it's just like shakes head mm-hmm. but at the same time like honestly when i'm playing the pieces like i don't think i think that much about the story either it's more just like feeling this type of emotion i don't know and then like also just being confident enough to express it and then knowing how you want your phrasing to sound like mm-hmm. yeah because honestly like uh i i I'm not entirely sure how well I do this, but, like, sometimes I do try the technique where, like, I envision a story in my mind and, like, oh, this is where, like, the angels are falling from the clouds or whatever. But usually I just get distracted and I'm just like, oh, crap, where am I? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that's the worst. That's when you get memory slips. When you zone out and that moment when you zone (sighs) back in, suddenly, like, you forget what your muscle memory was doing. It's not when you're zoned out. It's when you're zoning back in. Yeah, I'm just saying that memory slips and, like, just memory having to memorize your pieces in general is the worst thing ever. I absolutely <laughs> despise it. Do you know, like, how many time, how many memory slips the little Amy had and she was just like, ah, you know? <laughs> okay, okay, no, I, I don't need your pity. But <laughs> it's like, at the same time, like, I think I kind of thought that that was just, like, a me thing and other people didn't have memory slips. Mm-hmm. I think other people do have memory slips. Like, I searched it up on Google, how to get rid of memory slips, and then this guy was just like, oh, when I was performing at the Chopin concert, I've had a memory slip, and I was just like, oh, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, honestly, memory slips are so normal. Okay, but, like, messing up in a performance, having a memory slip in a performance is the worst thing ever. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just like, it, like sometimes you sit in silence for a while and you're just like, <laughs> funny story. In my level five exam, in my sonata, I had a memory slipper. And it's funny because this was the recapitulation, which if you don't know, is basically like a repeat of the first part. And I forgot mm-hmm. my left hand. And so mm-hmm. I stopped, went back, tried to play it again, stopped again, went back, tried to play it again. And I was like, okay, I can't remember it. So I just like played random chords on my left hand while doing my right hand melody. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. It wasn't it's at the terrible. time, but looking back. I did something similar in my level 10 exam where I just forgot this entire section of my arabesque. And I was just like, all right, we're not seeing you. Let's go on to the next part. <laughs> And there's that, like, sinking pit in in your stomach, and then you kind of go through the five stages of grief, and you're, like, in denial, like, no. And I remember afterwards, my, I think my parents were sitting outside the exam room, and they were, like, telling me how they were so nervous for me when they heard me stop. And they were like, come on, Grace, you can do this. Oh, no. And then this happens all the time where I'm running through a piece, and then I'm at the end, and, like, say the performance went flawlessly, and I'm just like, Amy, you did it, you're at the end, don't mess up now, and then the minute I have that thought, or not the minute, the second I have that thought, <laughs> I, like, forget my left hand, and I'm just like, damn it, Amy! <laughs> don't count your chickens before it. they hatch. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it really is such a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I, I probably don't put it in enough practice, this is common knowledge already, but still... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like i need it i need it okay i have been thinking about this recently but i need to find that like perfect zone where i'm like slightly zoned out but not like completely zoned out and then i'm like still thinking about my piece and the way i want it to sound and everything but i can't be like thinking too hard about the notes or like looking down at my hands too intensely or else i will forget it and if i like start worrying about what the next note is i will forget it so I just cannot. <laughs> and I think that's like kind of the worst thing about exams because it's so hard to do that because you're just worrying about your notes the entire time, kind of. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if other people experience this, but in test mode, not just in exams, but in test mode, you doubt every single thing. Like even things that in normal mm-hmm. circumstances you think, oh yeah, this is right for sure. Like you doubt it when you're in that test mode. So it's so okay, mental. Yeah. What, when I'm in a math test and I have a calculator, none of the addition is done solely by me. Even if it's two plus one, I will do it by calculator. <laughs> which probably loses me points because I ran out of time a lot in my math tests. So maybe I should stop doing that. I have more faith in my addition skills. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's all confidence. It's, like, all mental. (laughs) But yeah, so we will work on that, man. (laughs) Yeah, and then I think that's kind of something special you get from when you start putting all this commitment into this one activity and then start doing something kind of for serious. Mm Because it's like, I could be doing piano for fun, you know, and then just practicing on my own, I suppose. I I don't think I'd actually practice on my own, let's be honest. But (laughs) that is part of the reason why I go to a studio and continue with music lessons and then have, like, um, all these goals in my music career (laughs) or whatever, you know? Because then otherwise, I feel like that nothing would be pushing me to go forward. And then in the perfect world, you know, we wouldn't be forced to go to school. We wouldn't be forced to do projects. I wouldn't have to do piano because I need to do an exam. But then, uh, this is my view on it, but humans are uh, lazy creatures. And if we don't have an incentive to do something, we generally won't do it. Um, I don't know what this passion thing is, but I've never heard of it. <laughs> but yeah. I remember, like, someone asking me, well, isn't it, like, tiring having to practice all these pieces over and over and over again, like, learning an hour-long repertoire, needing to have it all memorized? And then I'm just like, yeah, I guess. But then also, you don't really think about that, because I'm kind of too deep in already, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like when you get to this point and you've put this many years and this much money and this much time into it, you don't really think about that anymore because you're just trying to reach your goals. And then it's kind of just like, this is what I am doing. You don't really question why. And you don't really look for an alternative. Because like, mm, in that little gray area where I was not planning to do ARCT and I was just doing planning to do grade 10, like my parents were really kind of pressuring me to quit piano. Mm-hmm. And it was a little awkward because I had the community piano ensemble thing, which I really did not want to quit. But then also like I didn't want to do ARCT. But then also like I think the thing that scared me the most was kind of... I said that piano wasn't a part of my identity, or I didn't think of it that way, but I was, I was kind of scared, because I feel like I'd be losing a part of myself, because as I mentioned before, piano is, like, my main extracurricular, and then especially, <laughs> especially in a community where we value, like, college, college personal profiles mm-hmm. a lot, <laughs> you know, having that list of extracurriculars, yeah. having that list of, like, academic awards and everything, 
having like be needing to take piano off that list and then calling it like a former activity was really scary because I was just like, I don't know what the freak I'm gonna write on there anymore. <laughs> and it, that's kind of the sentiment, but like behind that, it's kind of the feeling that oh, I don't really have an activity that I do anymore. Like, I don't really have, like, a hobby to introduce myself with or mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And that's, at its core, me being scared about losing a part of my identity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, you can practice piano on your mm-hmm. own and then just do it for fun and then, like, learn all these fun pieces by yourself. But as I mentioned before, I don't think that I'd actually do that and I don't really think I'd have that incentive to push me forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people can do it. I don't think I can. And I don't think I'll be able to take it seriously. And then this kind of gets me thinking about like badminton and other sports as well. Because badminton is something that I'd do for fun. And then for a while, I despised competition. Because like I hated, well, uh, I like I don't like being under pressure that much. Mm-hmm. I don't like competing against others and like feeling bad when you lose. And then feeling like you let other people down. And kind of just like feeling embarrassed when you lose to yeah. someone, you know? I hated that. And it, but it also, like, why do so many people take sports so seriously and then invest all this time and da-da-da-da-da into, like, a sport and then, like, go competitive with it? Because I think that, like, really trains your commitment and perseverance a lot more than just doing something for fun. Mm-hmm. And then people who even do things for fun, I feel like it only has a lot more value once you kind of, like, I don't know, do something larger with it. Or, like, like I'm thinking about people who are really into film or art or something like that. Like, they'll generally... Art, you have a goal. Like, you make a beautiful art piece or whatever. And in film, same thing. You have to make a film. Or, like, dance. You have to learn this new dance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, I know that you could say, oh, your goal could just be learning this new piano piece. But it's very different I think also just because we've been doing piano lessons for so long and I'm just gonna speak for myself but I really really appreciate my piano teacher telling me how I can Mm -hmm. improve on my pieces and I feel like I learn a lot from that and it's kind of interesting how you compared it to art because I also took art classes for a really long time and I stopped during quarantine but just before I stopped I had the feeling where I kind of felt like I could take it on my own, you know? And I wasn't, like, learning that mm-hmm. much out of art lessons that I couldn't be doing by myself. And obviously I enjoyed, you know, taking that time to, I don't know, do oil painting or whatever. But I felt like I would almost rather do it by myself because I could have so much more autonomy. And then quarantine hit and mm-hmm. I stopped going to my art classes. And I feel like I probably wouldn't be going back even if it was safe to do so, just because I think I've reached a point in art where I could kind of do it by myself and I feel happier doing it by myself. But I don't know why piano is different for me. And I totally get um, you saying that, oh, I don't know, like if I'm not taking piano lessons anymore, I feel like I'll be losing a part of myself or like I'm scared that I won't be able to keep it up because I have that too. And I always thought that I would finish piano and keep doing it until I went to university but I always thought after that I it would kind of just be a hobby and I would just do it by my own but then I remember my piano teacher bringing it up to me and then I kind of had that moment of realization where I was like I feel like I wouldn't like be able to spend that much time on piano and really keep it as a hobby if I wasn't taking 
piano lessons, especially in university. Like, I remember back in middle school when I prioritized school and, like, kind of left piano on the back burner for a really long time. And that was with piano lessons. So I I completely get what you mean about feeling scared that you'll lose piano if you're not taking lessons. And I just had that, like... Mm -hmm existential crisis and <laughs> for a moment I was like oh no like what am I gonna do with piano in university and in that same conversation my piano teacher also brought up like oh do you want to do a minor like you probably wouldn't do a major but do you want to do a piano minor and I like that was a bit of a shock to me because I never thought of myself as going into school for piano because I was always just like piano won't be a part of my career it'll be a hobby like that's set in stone I'm not gonna mess with that that's just like what I thought and then I never thought that my piano teacher would ask that so I remember being like kind of shocked and then my piano teacher encouraged me oh try it out like try audition for a minor it'll be a good experience even if you don't decide to go and I was like okay and then I remember asking her, like, what are the benefits of doing a minor that I couldn't just do without going to school for piano? Because I'm probably not going to make it a career. Like, I don't really want to teach piano for a living and, like, take money from students. If I did piano, I kind of want it to be more of a volunteer thing. So I remember asking her, like, what are the benefits of doing a minor? And she said it was actually, like, the experience the environment you get to be in, the people you get to meet and networking and stuff like that. But now I still don't know what I'm going to do because like academically, mark speaking wise, school wise, my music marks aren't as good as my school marks are. And I don't Mm -hmm. know how that would translate into university. And also there are just like so many courses that you could take in university. And there are so many courses that I want to take outside of music. And I know that I can't do everything. So... (laughs) I don't know. Um, I feel like it's a little different because, like, I feel like my teacher and I always knew that I wasn't going to take a music minor. Like, I was never asked that question. And to be fair, like, she knows already, too, that I probably would not be interested in a music minor. And then I think that is probably because I have shown less interest, like, less passion in music than you have. And then I don't disagree with that either. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that she knows that you don't want music to be part of your career. You don't want to take a minor in music because of your actions more than your passion. Because I feel like, Mm because you said that you didn't want to do ARCT and piano, you know? And stuff like that. Like, I feel like those decisions are how she really knows that you probably don't want to do a piano minor. More than, like, I wouldn't say that you've shown less passion than me or, like, that you, like, (laughs) expertise or whatever, because that's definitely not true. I think that it's just because conversations that you've had and just knowing that you don't really want to, you know, get an ARCT diploma Mm, or stuff like that. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I suppose so. But then, yeah, I kind (laughs) of do agree with the point where, like, the main reason I stayed in piano, honestly was, like, probably because of the community and, like, Grace. Sorry. (laughs) I keep dragging you into extracurriculars. And I think it's just kind of weird thinking that we might not be, like, this close if it weren't for piano. Like you said at the beginning of the episode, our friendship... The podcast would not exist if it wasn't for piano. I'm just saying this right now. So it all goes back to piano, strangely enough. And I'll, I'll end with piano. Dun, dun, dun. Amy, I swear if our friendship ends after piano, I will come and find you and 
yeah. <laughs> it's okay. This, this podcast. Neither of us are going to get off. <laughs> yes. And do not yes. worry. But as we're ending this episode, I want to know if any of you play instruments. If you play piano, let us know what instruments you play. I know for a fact that some of you have your AICT diplomas as yes. well. So talented. <laughs> and your ARCT violin as well. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> okay. But if you've related to anything that we said in this episode or just have any thoughts that you'd like to share, don't hesitate to send us a DM via Instagram. We are at to be honest pod. You can also leave a comment on our latest post. Yes. And also let us know if there are any other topics that you want us to talk about next. Oh, yeah. And if we do Instagram stories, you should go respond to the Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very hesitant. <laughs> okay. But yeah, as always, thank you so much for your support. And if you want to hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating, that'd be very much appreciated. And share this podcast with any friends or family who might be interested. And with that, we'll see, see you, you next week. week.